Every time. Hey, everybody, it's Rob Ridley and Jeremy Conch. Hello. Hey. We're here at National Fire Radio. We're on the uh, on location at the Fairview Fire District in Poughkeepsie, New York, with our special guest today, senior firefighter Craig Elderkin. Craig, say hello to everybody. Hey, what's up? <laughs> so um, this, this is going to be a pretty interesting uh, uh, podcast for us as we talk about the first time and, and go through some stuff with Craig, because I actually had the honor of working with Craig. He was my senior guy, so... When you uh, listen to some of the podcasts that we've done previously, and I talk about my senior man leaving, this is the son of a bitch who left me. So, <laughs> but he's on the he's on the greener pastures, and he's in, enjoying retirement, telling me how much I'm going to love it. So, with that being said, let's uh, jump in there. Absolutely, Craig. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us at the firehouse here. Uh, I know uh, I mentioned to you before how's how's retirement, and I think you said it's uh, it's good. It's good, man. Fitbit says I'm sleeping a whole lot better. <laughs> a lot it. better. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. I appreciate it. Um, a couple things uh, we wanted to talk about remembering you first, and that's the episode that we do on our podcast where we talk about your first fire, and uh, maybe that's the fire that got the hook or that's the most memorable fire. A lot of times, though, throughout your career, you tend to have more memorable fires. So let's hop right into it, and uh, we'll start talking about your first fire. Wow. Um, let's see. I got into service in uh, December of 77, and uh, of course, uh, let me go back to my first call. Yeah. I, I grew up next to the firehouse uh, up in Roosevelt, so uh, they give me my gear, size 44 coat, size 12 boots, and a helmet. Well, I wear size 7 boots and a 36 coat, <laughs> and uh, right. you know the yeah. helmet pretty much, uh, the ears, thank God, kept it up so Perfect. I could at least see. You know, and uh, back in the day, we jumped on a 55 Ford front mount. And uh, so we're going to a call on St. Andrews Road for an auto accident. And the captain tells me, hey, go get the CO2 extinguisher out of the bracket, the back of the engine. So I walk to the back of the truck, and I look, and I see that I knew it was a CO2. And I went to pull it out. and couldn't get it out. I went to pull it out. Couldn't get it out. So after about three or four minutes of just staring at it and looking around the truck to see if they missed me, <laughs> the... Uh, you know, another, one of the guys came back and said, what are you doing? I said, I need to get the extinguisher. He goes, well, get it. And I go, uh, how do you get it out of the bracket? Yeah. And he goes, you flick this. And I'm like, oh, I got that. You know, and uh, so that was the first call. Um, <laughs> the first the first fire I went to was um, in uh, February 7th of 78 during the blizzard. Jesus. And uh, we were riding the, uh, it's probably about 2 in the morning. We are riding the back step of a 69 Ford with four guys on the back. And the only thing that kept the rig on the road was the uh, snowbanks. No kidding. And uh, as we rounded a corner, we kind of looked around, and Dutchess County Sheriff's Department had a was driving Novas back then, and he was kind of like going up the hill sideways. Well, that engine made the corner, and next thing I know, we seen the sheriff's car off into the snowbank. <laughs> and uh, we pull up, and we had a uh, two-story A-frame, uh, heavy fire showing out of the B-side. And uh, they said, take a line in. Well, when we got out, once you got off the driveway, the snow was probably about three and a half, almost four feet deep. Yikes. So we're trying to pass the, pass the line over right. because we just couldn't advance the line. Sure. And, um, you know, back in the day, it was an inch and a half. You know, we didn't pull two and a half for nothing. And as they tell you, you know, we got a, one, you know, one window, one line. You know, right. two windows, one line. Three windows need a big line. Well, we <laughs> I like we, that. We weren't pick, We weren't pulling the big line, and we could barely get the single line in operation. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's um, funny. And uh, you know, we we get into the kitchen, and we couldn't get through the door the way the refrigerator was. So this uh, firefighter uh, Dave Lau, nicknamed Angus, 
went over and literally bear hugged a full refrigerator and moved it so we could get into oh the uh, back of the house. Knocked it down, you know, and then you got to pick all that stuff up in the in the middle of the blizzard and then take it back to the station and thaw yourself out because again, back in the day, gear was designed to keep you dry, yeah. not, not warm, not warm, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, but again, there's uh, you know a lot of changes in the fire service. Thing, yeah. You know, tradition's usually not one of them. That's I, the hindrance part. But I love I love every time you talk about like history. You know, it's even like you know the the cliche saying you know my parents walked to school back and forth uphill you know mm -hmm. and waist deep snow and 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 of course your first fire 1978. I was born in 77. Yeah. So you know for an appreciation of that, I mean it's uh, that's quite well, a long one, ways one of my things but. is to understand where you are. You had to understand how they got here before you. Agreed, hands you know? down. Because it, one of the things with today's generation is there's a different mindset. You know when they come in and and you know they question everything. You know why do you do that? Well, why do we do it this way? You know why do we do it that way? And you know sometimes as the senior guys or older guys we go. You know, uh, the kid might be right there. You know, we don't know why we did it that way because somebody did it that right. way before us. And it's maybe not the right way, the wrong way, the fair way, the state way, or whatever way, but it worked. Well, now you got somebody that's questioning it, and then you go back and you have to reevaluate what you're doing. You know, buildings have changed, apparatus have changed, tactics have changed, turnout gears changed. Sure. Everything's changed. Yep. You know, uh, you know, back in the day, we had no radios. You're, you were, we used to carry golf balls and, and, and rocks in our pockets to, you know, is learn. that right? Yeah. Wait, yeah. I've, you, ne I've never you heard wanted, this You before. wanted to vent a second floor window. You took a golf ball out and you would throw golf right. balls out the window on right. the way in. You know, we used to have a lot of old Victorian type homes and they used to tell you, get on the floor to throw some marbles. See which way the floor pitches because that's which way the water's going to go. So now you're adding your eight, you know, eight, gallon, you know, eight pounds per gallon of water sure. on the floor. You want to know where it's going to go. You know, so you want to see if the building is shifting. You throw a marble on the floor and see where it goes. All right, so Rob was... But you got to understand, back in the 70s, we had some, we had some serious shag carpet going on, oh, yeah. so the marbles didn't go Bound to the floor, wah, wah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's wild. I mean, I, and you just touched on so many things in, in a matter of 30 seconds, Craig, that we could yeah. talk for hours and hours on every little thing that you just said. One, golf balls and marbles, amazing. Like, yeah. I've ne I have never heard that before. I think that's... I'm going to save that one one day, talk to another yeah. old-timer about that. The other thing that you touched on, too, and we've touched on a lot of it with our show and our podcast and a lot of our Instagram stuff is the you know the culture and the new generation, the millennials, and if you will. And and that's a whole other episode and, and hours and hours of discussion. But, um, you know, you, you said something, though, that piqued my – that grabbed my attention was that even as a senior man who's now retired after all these years um, – you at least are willing to understand why they're asking why. Yeah. Right? You have and to. and that, you know, I, I think I just had a conversation before with one of the guys that was working downstairs and and the conversation was um, now everything is instant. Whereas years ago change would take five years, now change takes five minutes. Oh, I mean and, I can remember, you know, we couldn't wait for Firehouse magazine to come out. Right, that was it. Your yeah. monthly issue, man. Yep. It was it was almost as cool as Playboy. You know, <laughs> it was you know you, because that was our real first communication with each other as right. as a national organization. I mean, yeah, we all watched you know Emergency back in the day, and uh, before mm -hmm. that, it was Rescue Eight. Right. You know, and then they had with that other bullshit show Code Three or whatever it was. Right. That, that was yeah, that was bad. 
But anyway, you know, that the trade magazines are which actually brought us all together to, you know, you look at an article and you would read something about what's going on in some other part of the country and you say, hey, let's try that here. Yeah. You know, that might work or that might work, you, you know, know. It's funny because in a, a, there's a graduation from, uh, I forget who it was, it might have been Stroka that when he graduated, but the guy from Syracuse was up talking about it and it was one of the things that actually got taken away from it from me was that he said he wasn't happy with social media because social media creates an immediate thing, but then like there's no room for innovation anymore and that innovation took time and like in Syracuse you had to work on a skill and make sure that it was working before you wrote an article about it. He said now it's this instant thing like we, we, we pull a hose once and we take a video of it and it's out there and, and you know now you're, you're considering yourself an innovator but in reality back, back then that stuff took time. Like, and, we're, yeah. and we're talking Syracuse. Yeah. Syracuse yeah. was the first fire department in the state of New York to go to mini pumpers. Yes. They ran mini pumpers to calls uh, instead of a full-size engine because a lot of their streets. They were still until the mid-'70s using aluminum fire helmets. You know, so, I mean, yeah, you know, they, they were innovative in their day. You know, yeah. I see where the YouTubes off there, there's a, a pro and con to a YouTube. The, the, the pro is that you're getting immediate information on some new technique. Um, and I think the officers and firefighters can utilize that technique to take different people. You turn around and, and, and let's say you rob yourself, you write up a lesson outline. Well, now you give it to Jeremy. And now you, you, you're giving your version of his lesson plan, where if you go to YouTube, it's there. Right. It's already there, and it, it, you, as an instructor, as an officer, you can utilize that to back up what you're saying, or you back up the YouTube moment. And I think that a lot of people make that mistake: let the YouTube do the teaching, and I'll back it up. And, and yeah. I think it's wrong. I, I think agree. The with officer you. and the instructor need to do the teaching and let the YouTube video back up what they're saying. Um, I, I also, I also think, Craig, I'm going to cut you off, but I also think just on that point is that we take everything as Bible now. Oh, yeah. So just because it's on YouTube and here, here's a thing right now, my guys practice the Cleveland load for certain stretches, right? And it works very well when done effectively and correctly. Right. right. But there's other stretches out there that people put out on YouTube and say, it's, it's the greatest stretch and, and use this for a, use this for a mid rise, use this for a, you know, a row houses, use this. But is it tried and true just because it's on YouTube? You know, you might have these firefighters in smaller, slower departments that say, oh, they do it. I, I saw this. It works. It's great. You know, they don't train on it. They don't practice it. But because they saw it, it becomes Bible. And, uh, and I think that's a concern when well, yeah. you start talking about that instant gratification and, and having think, that I think when, we came, when Rob came back from, uh, you know, Prince George and brought their lay, we must have practiced it for at least two weeks. And then we also did the Cleveland load. We did an apartment lay. Right. And there was a couple of versions down at Garland to, to try to see which was actually the most easiest for us. Yes. Or we had to modify what we saw on YouTube. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and, and again, you know, you got to look at where it's coming from. At least it wasn't yes. on CNN because then it was fake news. <laughs> you know? But, you know, YouTube at least gives you an idea of what's out there and then you modify it to what makes work for you. Yeah. So... Um, not to, before we get too far off here, like when we go, cause we got to bring it back in for the, uh, the first fire stuff and everything. Um, what was, what was your first, like, I don't want to say your first real fire, but the first fire where you were just like, man, what, what, 
what did I exactly? I mean, this is awesome, but what did I get myself into here? Um, you know, right after right after the the storm, I ended up going in the in the Navy and went to damage control firefighting school there in uh, in Philly, and then got assigned to uh, a subtender out of New London, Connecticut. And you know, every day we had fire parties, you know, on board. And of course, the ship was commissioned in 1939, so we had electrical <laughs> fires pretty much every day. <laughs> so, and, and just to clarify, a fire, a fire party is not. A campfire in the woods. No, no. We had uh, repair lockers um, and re groups, you know, repair one, two, three, four. I was in repair five, which was RATCON division. Um, and you would signify the guys by wearing red red Nomex jumpsuits were those guys, you know, the guys on, that were on duty for the fire party mm -hmm. that were the initial response team. And it usually was a two, two, R1, R3, R2, R4, five. We just kind of like held back a little bit unless it, you know, involved nukes or whatever. Um, so it gave me a different perspective of firefighting, and mm -hmm. as I was getting ready to retire well, out of the service, leave the service, we bought the city of New London on board to teach them shipboard firefighting, and then I was able to get my guys some, you know, sh sh real fires, because yeah, again, you know, we did a lot of drills, right. you know, uh, but we were able to get some fires and stuff like that. Um, you know, and then while I was in the service, I stayed at the, uh, I bunked in at the Goshen Fire Department out in Pleasure Beach out in Waterford, Connecticut. And again, great guy, bunch of guys, you know, different style of firefighting, you know, firehouse right on the beach. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I had to adapt to the, you know, the Boston Red Sox, you know, Patriots thing. Those socks. Oh, I'm telling you, Jesus, it was, uh, you know, <laughs> culture, shock for, culture shock for me. Um, but then when you come back here... You know, we're kind of, there's the guys that, you know, I'm sure that are down, you know, follow Philly style. There's sure. guys that do D.C. style. Right. And yeah, up yeah. here, everybody's, you know, FDNY. And then you get out there, everybody's Boston style. You know, so depending on where you are, you know, you got that home base, that style. Yeah. You know, um, when I, you know, when I got laid off from the plumbers union, you know, I was still a volunteer the whole time and went down to Florida. I went to Florida State Fire Academy in Ocala. And, um to look at that style, all the instructors were from the Northeast yeah. at that time. But, you know, here you're training for four or five months. I was in the best shape of my life. And then I get down there, and he admitted he just kicked my ass. Oh, I bet. So, <laughs> you know, I bet. but again, you, 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 it's a different style. Then you can bring that style back here, and you start training with it and training with it. And we had a Victorian up in uh, Mutual Aid to Stasper. We were to first do rescue on the third alarm, and all they said was, there's a woman in there. And we can't find her. And, uh, you know, again, senior men throughout the line. We used to have the old, well, we had the officer pack, Scott 1s, and then we had the Scott 2s and the 2A. You know, we were always told, you go in, you pull your mask down, take a breath. Because burnt hair and, and burnt skin is a very distinct smell. You may not see them, but you'll know they're in there. Um, and we walked in this front door, and uh, it was a firefighter, Paul Tegmeyer, um, Firefighter Steenberg, myself, and uh, Captain Roy Hall, we walked in, and we closed the front door, and she was, like, right there. And we just walked back out and said, we found her. And they're like, no, you didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we found her. And, you know, everybody goes back to, well, what would you see? You, really, you saw a body, you know, and that's about all you're going to remember seeing. You know, you couldn't mm -hmm. go into detail. Right. Right. You know, it was, it was there. Um, and then the other worst one, we had a bus accident in Clinton, where uh, three were killed, one was ejected, and the bus rolled on top of this female. Wow. And what we did was we cribbed to one side of her, and we dug a hole to the other side. And as we raised the bus with the airbag, 
we slid her into the hole and then we had already had a, a reeves set up inside the hole and as we pulled the reeves out her her um, shirt came up over her face so you didn't get it and, and you look and we talk about the psyche uh, of a firefighter and I just re her feet were like right next to her head and yeah. to me psychologically it was a rescue Annie because yeah. that's how she yeah. but psychologically that's sure. how I dealt with it because I didn't see a face I didn't see any you know and, and back then we didn't have any you know cert teams or whatever right. else and, and and biggest thing was you went back to the firehouse and you talk around the table over a cup of coffee or a beer or whatever um, and you talk amongst yourselves, to, right. you know, and there was always a guy in the firehouse, hey, Jeremy, how you doing? You doing all right? Yep. You know, Rob, you doing okay? There was that guy that always took that time just to ask, are you all right? Right. You know? So important. It is. It is, yeah. you know, and then... Uh, and that's one of those things, too. We talk about changing the fire service, the, you know, the acknowledgement now that, you know, we need mental health as much as we need physical oh, health. you and, know, and, I, I can on it. You know, and that's, and I know we all believe in that and, mm -hmm. and so on, and it's so good to see that the fire service has acknowledged that and that firefighters are okay to open up about that. Some aren't, but I think it's becoming more widely accepted to um, to discuss yeah. your feelings. Well, like and, a 9-11, so I, I happened to be the union president and was working that day when the chief called me and said, where's Paul? Yeah. And I said, I got off the phone with him. He's in lower Manhattan. And uh, he goes, get back to the station. And we got back, and he goes, you know, engine force first do. And I said, he's not at four. He's uptown. He's at 26. 26 engine, yeah. And uh, so we were trying to figure out where 26 was at that time. And uh, his brother Jack and myself and his brother-in-law ended up going down. And 26's house was on, under renovation. Mm -hmm. So they were over on another, another street. We found the car with his pager and wallet in it we found the keys at the watch desk with his shoes uh in the station come to find out 26 was on another run and you know he jumped on on the way back and then as time went over you know we started to find out more information you know and i my my ex-wife was a 911 dispatcher at that time my wife at that time and she didn't want to know anything where i wanted to know everything right uh, and being union president we were on the computer every day with a printout and we would post them downstairs in our day room, and guys would sign up. And out of a little 14-man department at that time, we sent at least two to three guys to, to I think it was 67 funerals and memorials, because we needed to know. Yeah. Um, and you don't realize how it affected you when, you know, it was later on when, during the marriage, when she said one of the issues was you were, you were, disturbed and you didn't know it and I mean I was disturbed she goes you could tell every guy's name what house he was out of yeah what truck he was on and when the date of the funeral was she says but you can't tell me what you had for dinner two days ago and that's when you take that set back and you realize that you know she's right yeah you know and yeah. and again we didn't have EAP uh, you know, back in the day. So it was another firefighter, happens to be lieutenant today, who kind of took me aside and we talked. And, uh, you know, there was an ex-chief that was here that took me aside and we talked. And then it kind of, like you said, it opened up to said, yeah. hey, you know, you can cry. Yeah, it's okay. You know, it's okay to cry. Yeah. You know, um, and it did. And then, you know, you, there, you've always had that senior man in the department. And, you know, as I had Jerry Pickett, yeah. probably one of the best 
senior men. I, I mean, guys <laughs> I could work for. Yeah. Jerry and I got along so great and that when it came time for me to, to shift groups, I went to a doctor, and I had the doctor write me a note stating that Jerry's cooking was lowering my cholesterol and that I had yes. a medical reason to stay with, <laughs> to stay with Jerry. And, uh, in fact, we were talking about it at lunch today, and Chief Schmidt at the time called us in the office and says, you really want me to buy this? This is bullshit. He goes, you really want That's me to fantastic. buy this doctor's note <laughs> that, that Jerry's cooking is yeah, lowering your cholesterol? And yeah. I go, well, I kind of want to stay with Jerry, you know, and because I just learned so much from him. Yeah. You know, Jerry was the... He was the ideal senior man. He took you out and he said, listen, you don't learn shit sitting in a firehouse watching yep. TV. You have to get into the district. You know, you have to know your buildings. You have to know the hydrant systems. You have to know which road to take at 2 o'clock in the afternoon versus at 2.45 right. because you have two colleges that are dumping out. Right. And then the Duchess dumps out every 45, uh, you know, half past the hour. So you have to know that traffic's going to be backed up on Cedar Street. So you have to go another way. Yeah. Um, Jerry was the guy to learn, and when Jerry, you know, went out and you know passed the torch, so to speak, to to me, and uh, you know, I went home and said, "Am I ready for that?" And I'd been here sixteen years already. Yeah, you know, and uh, it was, "Am I ready for this?" And you know, here when I left, I turned twenty years here. I turned it over to some guy with seven. Yeah. Senior man now in the department has seven years, mm -hmm. you know. But not only, the, you know, with Jerry, I learned in the Navy, you always have a senior man, yeah. you know. And the senior man's job is to lay the foundation for the group. If you go into a firehouse, you talk to a senior guy, you kind of get a feel of what the culture is in the station. You know, um, I think I was, I didn't get excited. I kind of got laid back a little bit. And, you know, that kind of like took the load off of Rob because... The senior man walks a very fine line. You don't want to have an officer give an order and have the guys look to the senior man to make sure he's doing it right. Correct. You know, and, and I always took that back step to let him do his job, but yet it was to support him in what he did, but not be out in front. There were, you know, there were times where he would come to me and bounce things off to say sure. how this is what I want to do. What do you think is the best way to get the message across? Right. And there were times that he felt that me saying something to the other guys and coming from me was better than coming yeah, from more him. more powerful. Absolutely. Because, you know, sometimes you get an officer and you say, it's an order. You know, and, and again, it's seen as an order. Where if it comes from the senior man, it's more of a suggestion. Yeah. You know, with a backhand mm -hmm. motion to it. You know what I mean? Um, so the, the, the officer and the senior man have to have that relationship where they don't look at me, they're looking at him, you know. And I think the relationship that we had, especially I love the driving part. You know, I got to a point where let my young guys do the fire. I'll get you your water. I'll get you there. I'll yep. get the line to the door. Don't worry about it. You do your 360 because here at Fairview with only four guys on a shift, once he goes inside and commits, I'm now command. Right. You know, and we, you know, you look back, you could have technically had Joe as senior man with three years on the job outside being command until somebody else showed up. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a unique setup. I, I think, um, you know, I, I love just, we, we've, we're hitting on so many things and, yeah. and I love it. And I, I know we're, you know, talking about first fires, memorable fires. There's one thing I want to hit, there's one thing I want to talk about that you brought up and it, it just, piques my interest because I'm not a career fireman, but I spent, just for everybody listening, 
Uh, Fairview in Poughkeepsie, New York is like a second home to me. You guys, uh, I was a volunteer here with the career staff. It was a combination department, still is, uh, but limited in volunteers. And I felt very much that um, I think at, at some point I proved myself to be somewhat of an equal to the career staff, uh, and you guys always treated me very well here. Uh, and this is 20 years ago when I was here. Um, and I enjoyed it, and I was here, Craig, when you got hired. And I, I just, I'm curious about the firehouse, and not just Fairview, but everywhere, right? Um, you mentioned Jerry's cooking. How important is it, Do one, do firehouses still do meal together? And two, if they don't, does it take, take away from the team? Because I always thought when I was here that mealtime was awesome. It was cooked together, guys worked together, we all sat down and broke bread together. And I think that was hugely important. I think it's not just in the career department, in the volunteer side too, but I think it's that camaraderie in the kitchen. I think it's a lot of what goes back and forth. And I think that part of the fire service adds to the brotherhood, adds to the camaraderie. Um, I don't know if you speak to that. It doesn't have to be here per se, just in well, general. I think I mean, the, the, the fact of our space downstairs, the limited, yeah, you know, go, I mean, right. you know, listen, you could, you know, put a pot on a stove and then go take a piss in, in three steps, you know, and then <laughs> you turn around, you're sitting at a table right. with that's technically for maybe four or five people and you're trying to stuff six or seven. Yeah, you, got, you guys have you a know, tough it's, spot it's here. It's a but, tight, yeah. you know, we... You cooked your own shit. Everybody had their favorites. You yeah. Know. You know, Pete was steak, rice, and peas. Yep. You know, always. that was a guarantee. Every mm -hmm. every every fourth day, you were, at Pete's turn, you were getting steak, rice, and peas. Um, and then, you know, Rob came in with a concept and said, listen, I love to cook. And he's a good cook. Yeah. He's a very good cook. So <laughs> Rob, Rob, would, uh, Rob, Rob would cook. So we'd all kick into a kitty, and Rob would go out and buy, right. buy his food, which, you know. And then you have those... Picky eaters, yeah. which is me. I don't like a lot of condiments or, or, you know, everything on it. So, you know, Rob would compensate that for me, you know. Uh, but again, we would, everybody would do something. You know, now, you know, towards the end when it was, you know, Joe and Brad and Rob and myself, you know, Joe got the watermelon. Right. You know, we all made sure uh, Joe's kid eats watermelon. Like, is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hold, hold on, everybody. We're getting a big emergency here in Dutchess County. <laughs> the sky's going to fall once again. Yeah. Oh. Exciting. Okay. We're going to cancel class. Yeah, we're going to cancel class. Because there's a thunderstorm. Yes. It's a very busy Sca thunderstorm. Scary. Scary. It's going to happen. Tornado said boom and then left. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I, I was just trying to hit on, because I'm looking for, you know, um, you know, you always you always think of the fire service, you think about the kitchen table, and you think about um, what that symbolizes. And that, what 99% of the world's problems are solved at the kitchen table. Agreed. At Agreed. least we think they are. And, and, that's, and that's what we're doing here. Yeah, right. I, I think the one thing, I, as you, you were starting to bring this up, it hit me, is that, you know, even in the even if you had the most screwed up childhood that's out there, at some point in time you broke bread with somebody, yeah. and it was like hopefully it wasn't a combative environment. And and I think that for what we do, I mean, like think about it. The only other profession I think out there that's you know that's truly there that where people are, you know, going to work and then they're sitting down and having a meal together, like we do, would be probably people up at the culinary. And they're gonna judge each other about what they've cooked because yeah. that's what the business that they're in. Yeah. Like here, like it's it's the core of what family is and it right. reinforces that. Like we talk about a brotherhood and a sisterhood in the yeah. fire service. Agreed. And it happens at that table. Oh and yeah. First thing in the morning, you know, night the the shift before you is still in bed. 
So you come in, you make the coffee, you try not to make any noise. Right. You know, you start, the officer tells you what the, you know, the objectives of the day are, you know, any orders that come down from, uh, you know, God above himself. And, uh, you know, so it, it sets the tone for the day. Now the, the night shift starts coming out, you know, when you're having coffee with them and you kind of, hey, you know, what'd you guys do? How was that right. call last night? Right. So, you know, you're distant cousins. You know, your oh, group, I get it. You, you know, I get the distant cousins are coming in. You know, some are very cheerful in the morning, and the others, you know, you don't see them, and you right. know, not so or, much. Yeah, but they come in, and you have coffee with them again. You know, and you find out that there's that yeah. connection from the night shift. Sure. Oh, by the way, we picked up so and so. You're probably going to go back up there again. Right. You know, and it kind of gave us the heads up of what they tr they went through last night. Yeah, without a doubt. Because people do not <laughs> lie to us when we go on calls. So if you already got the skinny from the nighttime, the guy before you, and you pull up, and you, this guy's trying to bullshit you, you know, you know. Right. So, uh, and the same thing. I think when we when I first started, we did our tens and fourteens. So you did your ten hour shift, and then you switched it over to the night shift. Where now the twenty fours, I think, it gave more of that family thing because now I'm with these guys twenty four yeah. hours. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. And, there, and, and Rob can tell you that, you know, you're going, you try to leave here for three days, but with the amount of overtime and the mental manning, you're here constantly. Yeah. But again, you, you try to clear yourself when you leave here. When the guys would come in in the morning and, you know, and, you know, we would see somebody walking around on their cell phone out in the back parking lot, you know, and somebody else would come in and I would say, hey, how, how you doing? You here? Oh, yeah, I'm here. No, no, no. Are you here? Yeah. Not only are you physically here, but are you emotionally and mentally here? Right. Are you ready to go? Because, yeah, uh -huh. this we count on you. Right. So you, it was a, like a check in the morning. You know, are you here? Yep. Okay. Craig, I like that. I like that a lot because you don't hear that. And and what what I'm looking at, you know, you you with all your years in and your worldly wisdom, uh, you know, is the next guy in line with the four, five, six years as the junior senior man? Does he get that? You know, and that's and I'm not saying here. I'm saying in general, right? Those those are those things that you have to be dialed in to appreciate and understand the bigger picture of well, what's one going of your, on. One of your recent you know uh, shows was on the junior member, these young guys being officers, right? You know, I I still yeah. well, I still volunteer for a department where the chief's 43 years as a firefighter. You know, retired out of here. I'm in my 41st year, retired out of here. Um, our captain, eight years, and our lieutenant has got six years. And we actually held off on him and said we would rather leave the position vacant until we felt he was ready. And, and as, as an officer, I would say, okay, listen, we're going to do a drill, and I want you to cover this part of it. So you start to build that confidence. Absolutely. And, you know, and mm -hmm. not only as the individual, but as the member himself. You know, um, I have these two, the two twins, I call them, you know, peas in a pod there. And they did their firefighter one, their firefighter classes. They've done all their JPRs. They're ready. To, they are emotionally and physically ready and mentally ready to become interior. But I have not made them interior yet until all the other interior firefighters are comfortable with them. So I've run them through live burn drills with different guys. I've learned them through the maze with different guys. I've run them, tried to run them through every scenario that I can, not with me, but with the guys they're going to work with. Yeah. Because those are the guys that are going to come to me and say, I'm comfortable. Yeah. We can do this. You know, and then I, you know, again, I, if we do give them their interior status, we say, listen, you don't, you're, you don't take the lead. 
You're not online by yourself. You you go with a senior man and you learn, you're a senior person, and you learn what well, you know uh, from that. Yeah. Because I think from the volunteer standpoint, we're hurting so much, and we've lost so much because we're now getting older. You know, so we're losing that group, and especially here in the state of New York with everybody exodus, you know, exiting, and the fact that we're not being backfilled by that generation that's coming in, that, that community, sense of community, your family, you know, your father, your grandfather, and all that stuff. Um, we have to be more productive with what we have yeah. and put a better product on the street than quantity. So if a department is out there and they're boasting, you know, I got 100 members and we're doing this and we're doing that, and, you know, when I got my, my 30, you know, I, I would love to say I'm putting a better quality product on the street because it's not about quantity. You know, I had a, battalion, a captain in the city of Poughkeepsie Fire Department when I first, you know, started as a uh, Captain Hops from the city, and he said, son, I'd rather have 10 guys doing what they're doing than 20 and 10 fuck it up for everybody else. Amen. You know, yeah, I agree, and, and that's the way it is. You're, no, you're you know, right. and, and the mean. thing is, you, you here at Fairview, there's four of us. Yeah, you know, there is four of us responding on a call. So you have seven things that need to be done in the first two minutes, and there's only four of us. Mm -hmm. So we are definitely multitasking, without a doubt, and we are doing the job of two until our second through engine comes or whatever. And I think that mentality here has transitioned to the volunteer service around us because of the fact they see how much work we actually get done with what we have. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, so. No, it's a, it's a good point. It's a, it's a very good point, valid point by all means. And the other thing you touched on with the new senior man, he's got to be his own man. He has to forge his own name. He has to forge himself in this department. Again, you, you can't be – you know, well, Craig did it this way, or Jerry did it that way. They have to be able to, he has to earn the trust and the respect of the people. Yeah. And he has to set the tone for the guys around him. You know, like, I, I, I don't get excited. And I think that kept our group in check. It allowed Rob to know he did, that I didn't get excited, that, you know, yeah. that he was yeah. doing his job, that it, there was, you know, and mm -hmm. then the guys behind me, when we would go, listen, this is what we're going to do. You know, it's no big yeah. deal. Let's go to work. Well, I think it kind of rolled out, you know, when we were recently up at HRPC because we had this, you know, essentially we, we had this small building that was on fire at the moment. And, you know, but like everybody stepped off the truck and they were, you know, it was just, hey, we're going to go do this. Let's, you know, here's the plan. Let's, let's get it done. And we kind of we moved forward and it worked out. You know well in the beginning and then two hours later not so well but it's all right you know. no when you woke me up and uh you know brought me down from high park and you know i gotta say answering the phone here when the chief called was actually pretty cool <laughs> um, That's but funny. It, but again, I, I think yeah. i I, th I just think it's so unique tonight um to have two of you sitting here because there's 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 so much give and take here between you two and mm -hmm. the relationship that you guys have between you know, uh, obviously a firefighter with Craig, and he was your senior man to then become well, a boss. Well, his first fire, I was and, driving. I right. come back on his 1035 second alarm, and I jump in the engine, and all of a sudden I think I had Bowman, I had you. There was And Bendel. And Bendel, yeah. you know, all jumping in the rig, and it yeah. was his first fire, you know, being hired here. Yeah. And, you know, we pulled in, and the, it was just ripping, and it was like, okay, I think we put Bowman on the roof. 
to try to find a hydrant that was buried in the grass. Is that right? This is the first time HRPC caught. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's South Wing. And Craig Craig had a, like, he didn't quite know how to feel me out at that point, but he knew as we were coming down the hill, um, and Justin was, you know, a new volunteer, and he was all excited. He's throwing his pack on. His his assholes and elbows in that jump seat, and I just kind of yelled over to the doghouse and said, hey, 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 kid. We're not going to need the air pack for this. Beautiful. Believe me. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we rounded the corner and the, and the whole south wing was ablaze. Yeah. And uh, he's, he kind of paused and just went, yeah, I guess you're right. And yeah. Then, and, no, for, I, and for everybody listening real quick, just these little inside yeah. things, but HRPC is the Hudson River Psychiatric Center, which in its heyday was one of the largest psychiatric it is hospitals. the long, longest continuous building from north to south in the state of New York at that time. Okay. So massive complex that's no longer occupied has fallen into disrepair. Uh, and I'm sure with if you follow our podcast and our Instagram, we post a lot of pictures of it. But you also saw a lot of pictures about, uh, what, three weeks ago. Yeah, uh, there was a very large fire. Uh, and they've had a few of them there now. So anyway, that's what these guys are talking about. Um, it, it wasn't uh, a small fire by any means. Uh, it's one of those larger jobs, but you guys have had a couple there now um, mm-hmm. and so on. But uh, pretty interesting. Anyway, Craig, go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, and I think the other thing, uh, we feed each off each other when we were doing EMS calls. We had a, a gentleman that was hit by a car in the middle of Route 9, and I knew what he was going to ask and what equipment beforehand Sure. Because he took the lead, and I think we were on scene less than two or three minutes right. before we were en route to the trauma center because of the fact we had that rapport of, of with each other. Yeah. You know? And the other part is that you know both of us have a very sick sense of humor uh, about things, so we dealt and fed off each other where you know, I felt something was kind of bothering him. You yeah. know, I would you know, say something totally out of character or stupid for me, and you know... And, He'd give me that look yeah. and be, yeah. okay, I'm back down to reality, or Rob would say something. and Even before what you touched on with the, uh, the the beginning of the shift and saying, like, hey, you know, are you here? You know, I, I always, like, I appreciated it as, as the officer, but, but at one point I was just like, you know, like, I've, I've heard this, like, three or four times from asking people, this, and I think everybody's okay. And I came in one day, and I was in a foul mood, and I was not here, and he asked me, he's like, hey, are you here? And I'm like, hey, I'm right, I'm right freaking here, what are you talking about? He's like, no, are you here? And I was like... Got it. <laughs> got me. I, you know, but like, you know, I told him, I was like, no, I'm like, I, yep. know, I got this going on, this, that, and the other thing. I'm right. trying to do this. There's like 6,000 irons on a fire here. And yeah. he's like, all right. He's like, what do you need me to do? I'm like, just take care of this stuff. And he's like, no problem. We got yep. it, you know. Yeah, yeah and, and that's, uh, you, you can't, uh, you can't replicate that, you yeah. know. I mean, that's, no. you know, it's like the, he was working the night of the, the, the triple fatal fire. And, you know, I came back on a second alarm and, you know, pulled up and immediately went up to him on the engine and did a drop down the you know the D side to kind of see what that looked like you know saw a line going in the side of the building looked down to you know the V side heavy fire in the back and next thing I know a lieutenant from Arlington came over we pulled a deuce and a half off the rig went right through the front door and we, we were knocking some fire down we met the line that come through the side and the two of us were actually making some headway and we got pulled out Again, you know, we don't have the overall picture now yeah, because right. we're now inside, mm-hmm. and we pulled out, and you know, went to Rob, and I said, Jesus, you know, that room is not going on the second floor. Let's get a ladder up there, and we were kind of told no, you know. And now the fire gets darkened down, and you know, uh, you know, you don't want to be a Monday night quarterback, but right. then you know, we start going in, and we had seen the first victim, you know, on the stairwell when we got inside. The second one, you know, we went to that room, 
where there was no fire and opened up the door. There was no smoke, no nothing. And here the, the second victim was found yeah. where we wanted to ladder the window. And, oh, and initially in the operation, yeah. after somehow stretching three lines and like, with the help of Mark Myers and getting the hydrant hooked up and everything else, I, cause I originally took a 24 off the truck and went to pitch it. And right when I pitched it, uh, in the beginning of this fire, the front windows had failed. So mm -hmm. I, like, just as it was, and it was very awkward. I'm sure somebody that talks about proper lifting techniques would yell at me, but just as I pitched the ladder and started to throw it, that's when these windows failed, and I just kind of threw the ladder down at the, the bottom of the, of the windows, thinking, all right, we'll get this up in a second, and it just, you know, unfortunately... Yeah, you know, you, know, you always, you're, it's human nature to second guess. Of course. You know, you, the coulda, woulda, shoulda. Mm -hmm. You know, I should have went left or I should have went right down that hallway. I, I should have done this. I should have done that. You know, but then it goes back to like what you were saying with the, you know, the day room, you know, that cup of coffee in the morning and bouncing things off each other. Right. You know, one of the things that Rob kind of did that I, I really liked, and again, it goes back to feeding off of him, is we would come back from an incident and Rob would go, well, that didn't go as planned. Or he would come back and, he, and you know, and then we would critique ourselves. Yeah. Because I think we were our worst, we were our worst critic. Right. You know, we, <laughs> we as a group held ourselves to a higher standard than probably most people around. Right. Well, with the exception of one person because, you know, got him. So, but anyway, we would critique ourselves uh, in that aspect where Rob would always say, you know, listen, this is what I wanted to do and do this and do that and do this. And, uh, you know, how do you, how did, how did I do it? You know, did, 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 were my orders understood? Were job time. Another box. Yeah. It's a whole lot of noise. Yeah. Noise. Noise. <laughs> Send button. There you go. So it could be a couple of things. It's a Hyde Park assignment for us in the town, so it's either the arbors and the gas odor or. Which apartment? One with the smoke coming out of it. Building 14C. Okay, we got it. So is that is that a general for two departments plus an additional uh, engine? High, high Park on a structure assignment has uh, Fairview and Stassburg coming in on a first. Gotcha. And because probably one of our engines is still at the previous call, they backfilled with an engine out of Roosevelt. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. Um, but again, back to, you know, we would bounce, I think we were on worst critic, and we would bounce things off to each other. You know, a couple of the, you know, larger fires, like when we had the recycling plant, you know, we were on our way back from a mutual aid call, and, uh, you know, we had three on the rig, and, you know, we could see it. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, in fairness, I didn't see it at first, and the guy riding backwards, Joe, <laughs> he saw it, 
and I could hear him making a bunch of noise. And I said, Joe, calm down. It's only a car fire, buddy. And he said, I can see the smoke. And I'm like, I'm sure you can. And then we had round, we rounded the corner onto Fulton Street. And I mean, him and I just kind of both looked over at each other. I said, I yelled back and I said, Joe, get the gate. I got the hydrant. Joe, get the gate. Yeah. And, and I just got on the radio and I'm like, hey, is this really just a car? Because this is the, the smoke in the sky is not telling me. About 30 cars. That's yeah, wild. Yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah. I remember. And not, not only did we do that once, <laughs> twice. twice. <laughs> You know, it's I mean, funny. we, you know, it's it, it's not going anywhere. It's right. just a lot of cars. We right. dumped a lot of foam the first time, uh, and again, with both times that we were there, I happened to be, you know, the first new driver. Yeah. You know, and I felt comfortable in that seat because I can control what went on around me. Sure. Because again, once once Rob gets off the rig and he's in his officer mindset, I'm in the driver mindset. You know, I, I'm getting him his water. I'm getting him his stuff and. You know, he's doing his 360 of the scene and getting going through his mind of what he wants his first do, second do, third do. And I can control, you know. Oh, what, I, I get you it. Know, I slow mean, things down and say, hey, hey, okay, let's go. Rob wants you guys over there. Rob wants a five-inch here. He wants a tower right. ladder here. Yeah, and and, and, and Craig, I, I absolutely get it because in my position now, in my department, I tend to be driving the first do engine out of my house quite often now because – I'm more of a senior guy in the house, um, and I tend to get there quick like the younger kids, so we get out quick, uh, and I tend to have the wheel. And I enjoy the position. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd still be, love to be on the knob and all the fires and, you know, this and that. But I enjoy the wheel because I think driving is such a huge job. And I think that as the chauffeur, as the chauffeur or the MPO or whatever you want to call it, um, it's, it's like for me, I picture it as like playing in the sandbox. And it's, you know knowing three ways to get there, knowing what my officer expects of me, and he knows what to expect. You know, I know what to expect of him. He knows what to expect from me. Being able to tell him, you know, hey, boss, I'm going to put it here. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Do you want to pull up the rear? We're going to do this. Like, I think that that's such a senior position mm-hmm. um, that I understand the relationship that you two had when you worked together because you guys were able to develop that, that craft between you two, and I think that's amazing. And I have that rapport with a lot of my guys, and I, I think it's just makes things so much easier for the boss. Um, it's, it's one less thing they have to worry about. Um, and I also think it's such, a, such an important position and role on the fire ground that is often overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, too, is, you know, just to, just to bring it back just a little bit, um, is that I love hearing your stories. And, and I know Rob is used to all your stories. And I'm, I'm sitting here listening to him, and I'm cracking up the whole time. What, carpet um, time with Uncle Craig? Yeah. <laughs> Carpet that was the, that was we're going to title this episode yeah. Carpet Time with but Uncle that was, Craig. The funny there, part is somebody posted the other day, I think it was Bendel, Bendel posted that uh, he just found out that we, we were related by marriage. I saw that, yeah. You know? yeah and yeah, it was yeah. like, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. I think I think what I'm, I'm getting at is is I, the value in your stories, um, whether long-winded or not, they are, they bring a lesson and they bring... You bring us in. You, you like you have me hooked, and I'm listening. And I think this is you know to bring it back to talking about culture and tradition of the fire service, and and what we're trying to do here is capture the characters and the stories. And you know, you're quite a character, and I've known you a long time, and uh, I cherish your friendship and brotherhood. And your stories, though, I think are so important because so many of them that you've told tonight 
there's always that underlying little lesson learned or a little thing that a junior guy might be able to pick up on, you know, just the relationship between you two or you, uh, you know, just there's so many things you said tonight that I sit here and I go, man, you know, if I was a young kid, I would love to, I would love to sit down and just hear your stories and, and watch this, watch this podcast, listen to, you know, the, I just, I, I value that. And that's, that's for me is, is why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and I thank you for all your stories. And I'm not I'm not trying to rush you by any means. I'm just saying that's sticking with me right now because uh, you know a lot of our guests um, have a ton of stories to tell, and you're very forthcoming with them. And I and I appreciate that. And I think it's because you know you love the job and you love the the, the brotherhood of it and and sharing your knowledge. I mean, you know, we don't want to see a guy with 41 years and walk away and not share your stories. And, uh, and I thank you for that because I, I think it's uh, hugely important for the fire service. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, again you, you, we talked about it. We had uh, one guy with 29 years, one with 30, one with 27, and myself walk out the door in about a two-year time frame. Yeah, it's tough. And, yeah, that we lost a, a lot of experience here in this department. Yeah. And now and that right there was the signal. The culture is going to change. Yeah. You know, because I, that that senior man with with seven years is looking at things differently than when we were here. Sure, and you hope you hope that some of the things that we set as a ground rules will continue on. Yeah, so to so to speak, you know, and, and I, I don't think that there are still some great guys here that are going to be, I think, be good senior men. You know, and then there's some guys that just don't fit the role. You could have a guy be a great firefighter, but he's a lousy officer. Yeah, agreed. You know, he agreed. just can't let go of that knob where – or he, he knows the job, but he doesn't – can't make that transition. Yep. Um, you know, and I think the, the, the best part was I've had some good officers to work, work under. And I think the fact that when Rob became a lieutenant, you know, uh, on, my, on our group, we – we were as firefighters together, so on a group three. And then when Rob yeah. became the lieutenant on a group, we already had that rapport, so to speak, as equals. Now he's the boss. Yeah. You know, and, and again, I think the best part or the, the, the senior man has to allow the officer to become the officer. Yeah. You know, I always, I always hated when somebody would give an order and they would look at somebody else to see if it's yeah. okay. You know, it's, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and Rob was very op- open to suggestions. You know, I could say, hey, Rob, you know, think about this. And then he, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, I annoy the shit out of him every day. Yeah. And, you know, the other part was him coming from the city, of Poughke- <laughs> him transferring from the city of Poughkeepsie. Yes. You know, me going into the city, I pretty much know the city, but I would say, Rob, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Which is the best way to come in? Exactly. Which way do you think, because he knew the city assignment, so he knew which way they were going to approach the yep. scene. Which way do you want us to approach? Right. You know, which is our best way of going in? It may be a little, uh, you know, a couple blocks longer. Right. But, you know, this and here. But him it makes I, an impact. You know, him and I mm-hmm. went, we caught a job on Worrell Avenue. We left from there. We came back, and then we caught a job down on the south end of the city. And, yeah, you know, nice. as we, we couldn't get close enough. And as they were walking up, there was a mayday going out. A guy's bailing out a window. And I'm looking at a hydrant that's orange. Orange sucks. They're not getting enough water. And, you know, I'm looking for that secondary water source. And I, you know, I said, Rob, I'm backing down the street. I'm going over a couple of blocks. And he goes, you're going to find a blue hydrant over here. And I went over and and stood by the blue hydrant waiting for those orders to, you know, to lay in. Right. But again, 
we we both had our mindset on what needed to be done, and sure. we, we always try. I think our, between him and I, we were always a step to two steps ahead of everybody else. You know, because we had already thought this process. Now we're going to we're trying to anticipate the next move. Yeah. You know, and you know because some we're in a business that's very unpredictable. Yep. And one second is good. Everybody's doing it tonight. Another box going out. That's probably ambulance call. Oops. I do not miss that. Happy hour. <laughs> Happy hour. Busy night in the view. But uh, anyway, um, Rob, you got anything else before we wrap this up? With, yeah, no, uh, just that it was, it was nice to have Craig as a senior guy because I knew there was information that like, you know, and I think we talked about it once. It was almost like a verbal diarrhea of things that were, like, completely useless, but yet on point. And, like, you would go there and find that, you know, like, yeah, there's that fence that, you know, yep. John Jim Roy fucking hit when he was coming to that fire alarm one night. And he bailed out of his car and ran out of the firehouse. It's the third stone wall on the left. Yep. Um, you know, and I think that, like what Craig said about the communication, it was very, it was very comforting to know, like, you know, we go to Roosevelt, and I don't know Roosevelt's district very well, but it would be this funny thing where if we were out where the hydrants were not, I'd jump out of the rig and, I'd, all right, Craig, I'll see you later. Yeah. We're going to be up there. Yeah, and yeah. Because he, he knew, like, and, and, you know, he knew where, having been a member of Roosevelt for so, so long, he knew where that hydrant was that we were going to connect to, right. that the water shuttle was going to happen. Yeah. So I think one, one night I left him alone. There was a day. It was an afternoon Daytime. fire. I left him alone. The fire engine disappeared. Bradley and I went up and we, you know, did what we could up there and we, we worked. We came back. He came back with like an extra person. I'm like, where'd you find and somebody <laughs> in this in the chaos had, had left one of their members at yeah. the bill one site? One of the or other mutual aid departments left the member. Yeah. And uh, you know, like I said, I knew right where the hydrant was, positioned sure. the rig properly to fill sure. all the tankers as they were coming in. And it was probably a good two, three hours later, all of a sudden, you know, here comes this rig and you know. Rob and Brad jump off, and uh, they're like, "Well, what do we do with this guy? You know, do we give him a ride home?" And you know, one of the mutual aid departments said, "No, no, we'll that's take him funny. home. You guys can go back." You yeah, know, and, and it's like, well, one of the different Ubers that we had. You know, yeah, like this yeah, that's but funny. Anyway, so. Well, I have to tell you, uh, this was awesome to get the two of you together because I know just um, Rob and I still getting to know each other, um, and you guys, uh, you know, quite a rapport between the two of you, and um, I think it's awesome. And I think on the bigger picture for all of our Listeners and viewers, I, I think, you know, that we're all very jealous of that relationship that you guys have because I think it's so important for an officer to have a senior man that they look at each other and, and that nonverbal skill or, you know, that nonverbal command or discussion back and forth and knowing what one expects of the other and so on. Not everybody gets that. Not everybody no. has that in the fire ground. It, it, and it, was a, it was actually a pleasure to come to work. Awesome. There, there were days that you know you just don't want to get out of bed, but there was it was a pleasure to come to work because, again, I, I truly feel that the twenty when we went to twenty fours, I was against them because of my my fire prevention position. But again, um, it, the group that we had made it nice to come to work. You yeah, know, we had Joe transfer in from Group Four, and the first thing I said to Joe was, "Calm down." You know, and it was funny because we go to a fire, and the first thing Joe says to one of our volunteers is, "Calm, Calm down." down. <laughs> you know, it's only a fire. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and I looked over at Joe, and I just gave him a smile because 
you know, relax. Yeah, and you have to you have to enjoy the job. You have to enjoy who you're with. You know, we're going to have our. You know, everybody's going to have sure. their, their spits and spats. You know, and one of the things you know, Rob always had our back, and yeah. we always had his. Right. And I think that allowed Rob to do things, push that edge when it came to being an officer, when it came to doing training, when it came to. Um, being on the edge. Yeah, without a take, doubt. Taking that initiative to make a change right. in a department. He would, we would bounce things off to each other. So if he had my support and I knew where he was going with it, it was easier to sell things to the other guys. Yeah. And I, and I, I think, you know, and in, in to just wrap this up, like that is, that's the right thing. I mean, the fact, you know, everybody talks about the firehouse and not, it's not just a job, whether you're a volunteer or career, it's not just a job. It's, it's a passion. It's a love. And for you, 41 years in before retirement, still enjoyed coming to work every day. That's a testament to your attitude and, and your um, love for the job. And because of brothers like Rob and your group that you worked with that uh, enjoyed having you. And, and I think that's so important. And I think that's getting lost. And I think we need to remember that, you know, we all do this because we love it. You know, I mean, whether it's a job, I mean, it might be a job and it pays the bills or what have you. But at the end of the day, I think 90% of us got into the fire service because we love it. Yeah. Because, well, you know, people ask me, what, what am I going to miss the most? Right. A firehouse is a building. Fire engines are what's in the building. Right. But it's the guys in the building Great. that make the job what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know? agree. I agree. And, and that, that's it. You know, I, it's missing the guys. You know, I get up in the morning and, you know, and I said, hey, I'm going to go visit Rob down the firehouse yeah. today. Yeah. You know, what's for dinner? You know, when I told Brad the other day, uh, you know, that's why I asked Rob when he was leaving, I'd like to come down and, and cook dinner so they know they're going to cool. get their, you know, chicken. Awesome. Cream of chicken. Cranberry, right? <laughs> yeah. Cranberry yeah. sauce. Yeah. Yeah. Soy sauce. I love yeah. it. Yeah. But uh, anyway, Greg, thank you so thank much for, for joining us tonight yeah, and having, having us here, uh, at Fairview tonight. Rob, thanks for having us here also. Um, guys, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks uh, for listening. National Fire Radio, we're doing a lot of good here, trying to bring forth the brotherhood and uh, documenting those characters and their stories. And Craig's definitely one of those characters. Uh, thank you again for uh, having us and sitting with us and sharing some stories. Right, so, guys, for Jeremy and Rob, be safe, have a good week, and we'll see you on the next one. You got it. Take care. <laughs>